Welcome back to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast. It has been a while, but we are back. I am Dylan Ponte, and as always, I am here with Joe Capuano and Rui Pereira. Yeah, buddy. Boys, how are you doing today, and where have you been for the last couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We've been all over the place. Joe and I, we uh, went down to Argentina and Uruguay for a week and a half. Yeah, fought a couple of football games down there, mm-hmm. and, and that was just an experience like no other. It was just an incredible, incredible time. Argentina is a beautiful country, oh, and as well as Uruguay too. But the football culture down there is just insane, Absolutely bar none, insane. the greatest, the greatest. Everyone has an opinion. Literally everyone, from the cab driver to you know, just the the clerk in the hotel. Everyone has a team. Everyone has an opinion. It's, it's insane. so funny. Every like cab driver has a little, like a little sticker or a little thing like hanging from their mirror of their club that the they club that they support. They support, and yep. it could be like a small team like Huracan. Like we saw one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple other smaller teams like yeah, Rosario, like, yeah, and Newell Boys. Rosario, and then you know you have the other big five: San Lorenzo Racing Parrot, uh, Racing Racing Paris, Racing Club, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, River Boca, yeah, River two. Boca, yeah, Independiente. All the other big clubs, but it was bar none a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys went on vacation for like you said, was it like a week and a half? Yeah, was it ten days. days? Yeah, I was very jealous. I saw you guys posting all sorts of pictures on Instagram, Snapchat, all that. <laughs> I was jealous. I was not able to go with you guys. Yeah, we wish you were there, Dylan. Uh, yeah, I thought about maybe doing the podcast without you, but I figured it'd be pretty <laughs> boring just sitting here listening to me talk for an hour. So I figured I'd be nice and and wait for you guys to come back home. We wouldn't have been mad, but we are you you are back now. You We're are back. home. We can finally get this thing started. You know what else is back? The Champions, Champions League. League. That's right. Champions, Champions League is back. back, and the first leg of the knockout round. Yeah, mm-hmm. round of sixteen. Round, round of sixteen. Some some in thrillers. the books. No. Yeah, Not close um, matches. Some thrillers, some duds, and some disappointments. Oh yeah, so we have uh, we have a lot to cover. What what was the what was the first first match? Was it um, Tottenham versus Dortmund? Was that the first one? Um, no, I think the first one was Porto and uh, Roma. In Roma, yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. Porto, so they were the first one. Right. Porto and yeah, Porto and Roma faced off. Uh, Roma was the home team, um, and they ended up beating Porto two to one. Uh, Zaniolo had two goals. He scored in the 70th and the 76th. And for Porto, uh, Adrian Lopez in the 79th. Porto actually played with a couple of injuries. More than a couple. More than a couple. Marega, <laughs> Corona, who was actually not an injury. He was a suspension. And Abubakar. Abubakar, yep. Yep. That's um, the, basically the two front, and, well, front line, right? Marega and Abubakar? Yeah, Abubakar's been out the entire year. He He ruptured his ACL in the beginning of the season. But um, but you know, uh, Morega has been so crucial this season for for Porto and last season as well. But this year, you know, he put five goals away in um in the group stage. He scored in the last five games of so the group was, stage, and Porto played without him. And yeah. you could tell that they they really they really miss him. You know, that's they, what I was gonna say. Yeah, because yeah, I was they, watching the game, and I mean, like Zaniolo was was incredible that game, but. This whole year, AS Roma has always looked like they were conceding. They looked like they were going to concede a goal. I knew that they were going to concede a goal. 
I thought that Porto was going to score too, honestly. Yeah, it's it seemed it seemed that they were Porto was there. They they felt that they were very much in control of the game, but they lacked a little bit of uh of creativity, lack of opportunities. Yeah, they put some, they contested um they contested the, the goalkeeper, but they didn't it wasn't their their usual self and overall this season AS Roma they haven't really been that well. They haven't been playing that well on the defensive side. They've been great, oh, yeah. great on the attack. Mm-hmm. They're always well pouring said. in goals, but yep. you know they're letting up multiple goals a game, <laughs> right. or at least one a game. And Porto, who has a great defense and they have a very strong attack, it they weren't playing like themselves. And you know the injuries and the suspension is is really caught up to them. And it was very unfortunate because I, I I really felt that they were going to do much more. Mm-hmm. It felt like they were going to score, but they just never pulled the trigger. And they were very fortunate to get that last goal at yeah, the end. They got that crucial away minute. goal. Yeah, I mean it, it was it more of a, it was more of an AS Roma blunder. It, it was an AS Roma blunder, um, but you know Adrian Lopez put put the ball away. He finished. It was a great finish despite it being being very fortunate for the ball to land where it, where it did right at, at his feet but the finish was great and you know sometimes you have to catch breaks the goal is a goal the goal doesn't matter goal. how ugly and it Porto is was very fortunate it was, that that away goal is so crucial you're better off w- losing two to one yeah then away nothing. than losing one nothing away yep right you know you have that 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 little cushion of that of, of the away goal which which can be very very uh essential and useful and I know what you're thinking, Dylan. Like, I can feel your telepathic energy in my head right now. You're thinking, oh, and now Porto is going to be at home. Tough They're going to have home home field advantage. So Corona's going to be back. Corona will and, be back. And another thing, take it, though, take it from a Benfica fan. Porto is a very difficult place oh, to play. Oh, yeah. In. No, I as, no as doubt. As an away team. No fans are savages up there. Yeah. They are. They're just, you know, Benfica's always been like the biggest club. But mm-hmm. Porto has just—they're like the Napoli fans of Porto of Portugal. Yeah, they're just very passionate. They're very loud. They're crazy. Yeah, you know. And um, you know, Porto. I, Porto has a shot. Has a shot at this. Unfortunately, they picked up another injury this past weekend. Danilo Pereira, really crucial. He's the regista, the regista for 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 Porto. Um, he went down with an injury against Setubal this past weekend in a two nothing victory. Serious? He is most likely going to be available for the game. Okay, I was um, going to say they have for the game against three Roma. Weeks. Not this, he didn't play today against Tondela. I think mm-hmm. they're really going to wait until uh, the Champions League to use them because Porto. I think they're really they see the opportunity to pass to the next round and get that extra revenue for the club. So um, Danilo and Brahimi, they look like they're going to be to able to it. play. Yeah, Marega is still out indefinitely. Gotcha. You know who really? I, I want to say this, and then I want to move on to to the next game. But the player that really impressed me the most was Militão. Yep. And I know that you mentioned him multiple times. I wasn't sure, like even if we were just talking, not just on this podcast, but you were like, "Dude, Militão, he's the next big defender. He, he's he's going to be the next big defender in Europe." He had that whole side. If you were the if you were the AS Roma attacker, it would be your left side. He had El Sharawi locked in in his pocket yeah. the whole game. Didn't look dangerous at all, and 
you could tell that that side of the of the field was totally secure when Milik Down was it's there. It's absolutely incredible what he's managed to do this season, starting originally in the right back position, then moving into the center back position because he's just been so so effective there. His his, his de- defensive abilities, his, his IQ, his awareness of the game is just far beyond his age. He's playing so well, and he's already getting big offers from the pick clubs. Juventus is looking at him. Real Madrid's really, really pushing for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, adding Pep to that center, to um, as the center back along with Philippe, and then pushing Milik down back to the right side, which was originally his his natural position. You know, Porto is just, you, you saw it against Roma. He shut down that left side. Mm-hmm. El Sharawi El was just, you know, he couldn't he get nowhere he to couldn't be found. Get by, he couldn't get by him. He just couldn't no. get by him. So it was that that's what out of everything that I saw aside from Zaniolo, Militao was like incredibly impressive that entire game. Yeah, I agree. Zaniolo with two two great finishes. Um, you know, the second one was a little bit fortunate that the ball. Yeah. Oh, that was Jekko. Jekko did the work. Yeah, Jekko did the work. But you know what? Jekko did most of the work that game. Yeah, I you think he did most of the work on the first goal too. Positioning is crucial in 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 this game. And Zaniolo was there. He anticipated it. He still followed through and he beat the defender to the ball. And that counts, even though it was fortunate that the ball yeah. it ricocheted off the post and it went straight to him. But you know what? He, he got anticipated there. it. Yeah. He still went through and he put the ball away. Still a skill. So uh, next on the list is uh, PSG. They went into Old Trafford facing Manchester United and they walked out of there with a 2-0 victory. Um, and uh, Kimpempe score in the uh, 53rd, Mbappe in the 60th. And one of the most disappointing parts <laughs> of that match was Paul Pogba picking up a red card, already down 2-0 in the 89th minute, gone for the second leg against PSG. Yeah, he's just so, proving proving my original thought of him. He's a phenomenal player, and when he wants to play, he's incredible, bar none, one of the best in the world at playing uh, in, in that midfield. My problem is his, his attitude. He needs to get better at that. He needs to keep calm. He needs to keep his head straight because he he got a red card. He got a second yellow because he lost he lost concentration and he let his emotions get the best of him. It's only a two. Yes, no one wants to go down two nil after the first leg, but it's only two goals. It's it's a stretch, but it can be done. And United's proven that they two can nil, score. But- Two nil, but there are away goals. Yeah, I know there are away goals, but we've seen this happen before. We've seen, and you know what, Manchester United—they've been playing well. They're in that groove, and a lot had to do with Paul Pogba finally getting back on track. Well, so that's actually the, one of the questions that I had was Manchester United's been playing so well since Oli Sokshire became took over, the, took over yeah. and Pogba has gone off. Mm-hmm. These last few weeks, what the hell happened is to Manchester United? What happened to the Manchester United that it's we've been question. seeing the last few weeks? It's definitely the it's, biggest competition that they played. Yeah, and PSG just probably got into their heads. Everyone's under the limelight, you know. Um, PSG put the pressure on them, and that's probably what ended up getting to Pogba. He probably just got so frustrated that he. Got himself sent off. It's honestly, a, it's just a reckless, absolute 
reckless challenge, unnecessary. It was just, you know, he just lost his head. And I get it. Like when you're losing in a game like that, when you feel like, you know, you should have at least one goal in or, or maybe he felt that, no, we should, we should have at least one goal in or the game should be tied or maybe we should be leading. Things happen and it doesn't go your way, but you have to exactly. you have to maintain control exactly. of yourself, stuff of your emotions. Stuff wasn't going his way. It wasn't going his way, but you cannot forget that you have a second leg and things do happen. We've seen strange things happen in the Champions League. Underdogs, Roma last year. Right. Yeah. Barcelona, Barca. Barcelona down, God knows what, what it was, like four goals from the uh, first leg it was or whatever, three. whatever yeah, it was. It was three. And they had that miraculous comeback. No, you were comeback. right. It is four. It was four, and then and they turned it around. They turned it around. Yeah, yeah. I see. I think I think United's done. Pogba getting that red card pretty much sealed their oh, fate absolutely. for the second leg. Absolutely. Yeah, I because just don't know who's going to. I understand. So like, so I understand your point where you know crazy things happen and anything could happen in the Champions League. They could certainly walk in. You know, walk down to PSG, yeah. steal that game, win on aggregate, whatever. Um, but. The only way that would happen is if you had a player like Paul Pogba. So because he's not in there. Oh, yeah, they're toast. Yeah. Right. I'm hypothetically speaking, like, if he didn't get the red card, if he kept his cool, you know, things, you know, think, things can work out in different. the next leg. Yeah. There's still if a there good was, team. If there was ever oh, yeah, a player. Still a good team. If there was ever a player to walk into that second leg, take the game over. It would have been him. Right. Pog was, Pog was the player that would be able to do that. Yeah, they just don't. So. I don't know who's going to fill his fill his boots, you know, since he's going to be absent. Um, <laughs> I guess. Fred? Fred? How, yeah, the what? How many pounds did they spend on that guy? 50 something. Yeah. So, like, he needs that to. money to get Pochettino. Yeah, right. Like, he needs well, to pull wait, his way. United. <laughs> they make so, money in like a week. Are we. um? Are we saying that this tie is done and dusted? Are we saying Paris, Paris Saint-Germain are basically uh, going yeah, on to the so. next round? I think so. Okay. I think they're going to go through. Yeah, United doesn't have a name shot. Right. I honestly thought United would have done better. I thought this was going to be 2-1. It wasn't. They didn't play terrible. They didn't play terrible against them. Obviously, PSG was the better side. They were the stronger side. but um, And they did frustrate the hell out of... Out of Manchester United, Manchester United couldn't contain PS, PSG that very well because they they committed many fouls, many mm-hmm. many fouls in this game, and you know it got to them. It got it got to them, and it definitely got to Pogba. Unfortunately for them, they're gonna they're gonna be missing him in the next leg. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, moving on to the next game, we had Tottenham and Dortmund. Tottenham, the home team, Dortmund on the road. Tottenham wins three nothing. Pretty much blowing Dortmund away. Yeah. Yeah. Son with a goal in the 47th minute for Tongan in the 83rd. And then very, very quickly, uh, Lorente in the 86th. That pretty much sent Dortmund packing. Yeah. And one of the most impressive things about this victory from from Tottenham is the fact that they actually played without Harry Kane and Dele Alli. Yeah. Who were both injured for the game. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I don't know. What are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? It's some Pochettino magic is what I think it is. They're a good squad, man. Tottenham gets so much crap for not like winning trophies, but like they're they're a really good team. I they really are feel a good that team. way. And they are you know, they're team. they're without their two best players. 
They're playing against the best team in Germany at the moment. At the moment. At the moment right now. <laughs> Talent-wise, I, I, I think obviously Bar- uh, Bayern Munich yeah. is the better team. And I think they're going to go home with the Bundesliga because they're very they're turning things around. But Tottenham in this game, you know, despite not having their two best players, their two best attackers, they played very, very well. Yeah, they did play well. They were getting shots on goal. They were they were passing the ball very, very well. And Son with a beautiful goal to start things off right in the right in the beginning yeah, of the right of in the, the beginning second of half. the second half. Can't and, ask for more. And in, after the first half, you just like after watching watching the first half, it was just these two. It's like this game is just going to be one nil because they were just going yeah. back and forth. They were, they were containing well. They were create. They were making opportunities, but the defenses, both defenses, were were defending very well, keep doing a good job keeping the attackers out of the box and and not creating easy opportunities. Yep. Well said. Yeah. And then towards the end, I don't know if it's a lack of experience having a young team or whatever it is. Dortmund just let up two goals in the last seven minutes. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. And now they have a mountain to climb come the uh come the next fixture. All right. If if they hold strong defensively in that the last ten minutes of that game they probably lose one nothing. They probably don't give up those two goals. Lose one nothing. Headed back home. Yeah, it was just you know, it it was just bad. It, terrible, terrible marking on the last goals. Yeah, you know, with Vertonghen yeah. being in the back. Vertonghen was in the that back was, post on a cross. Hakimi was just nowhere right. to be found. He was just standing. That was blown, a great finish. Absolutely though. burnt and blown by. And Vertonghen was just sitting there. That was a striker's finish. That yeah. wasn't a that wasn't a defender finish, right? It was there. A, incredible play. That was a good finish. And then at the end, Fernando uh, Llorent on another cross. Yep. Out muscles uh out muscles um the Borussia Dortmund defense and that's it. Mm-hmm. So my question for you guys is do you think that this was more of a defensive collapse by Dortmund or do you think it was more of an overpowering offensive performance by Tottenham? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this was a more offensive driven thing from Tottenham, just because if you if you look at the stats, they overwhelmed Dortmund with shots. They had 15 shots total and five of them on target, which I mean that's not great, but it's not bad either. Um, and they their passes were very good. They had 88 percent pass accuracy. Um, they just over towards the end they overwhelmed Dortmund. And I feel like that just came down to their team chemistry going forward, honestly. Yeah, I I, I mean I don't want to be the guy that says it's like middle ground. If I ha- did have to choose one, I think it is a little bit of both, but if I really had to incline to one side, it's more of um a collapse on on Barutia's um defense because it's just too too terrible too terrible marking um occurrences on Hakimi and, and Diavoli. Uh, you know, you can't just let that happen. It's just, it's football fundamentals 101, you know, and if they just did their job, just like in any oppor- any other occurrence, it would have, they would have prevailed and probably kept both of those goals out, you know. And um, yeah, and, and like Joe mentioned, they overwhelmed uh, Borussia Dortmund's defense. They they really did, but that led to their collapse, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, I think it was a defensive collapse by yeah. Dortmund. 
for for the reasons that you had mentioned earlier, that that first half was so tightly contested, such a good game between the two sides, and Dortmund they gave up that early one in the second half to Son in the forty seventh, um, but it was still it was it was a good game and that collapse at the end. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Because even the collapse up, at the end, because even, like even going up yeah. to like the second goal, right? It was still a close game. Right. Sure. Like possession was pretty tight. It was like about 54, 46. Yeah, it was close. You know, when you when you get that close to like the low 50s to the yeah. upper 40s, right. it's it, a very it close. It doesn't matter, yeah. You know, we're talking about minutes, mm-hmm. minutes more of possession in a 90-minute game, you know. And the passing accuracy on both teams, not just Tottenham, no, not, as, you, mes- as right. you mentioned. Yeah. I think it was like 89 to 88 with, between yeah. both teams. Both very good. You know, the game was moving. There was fluidity on both sides. It just towards the end, the last ten minutes, you know, they that's what it was. It, it, it was more of a collapse. But like Joe said, you have to give credit to Tottenham's attack because they they did overwhelm them. They really yeah. did, and that's what you know. It, like I said before, it's a combination of both. But if I had to choose, you know, the majority, the like the the biggest, yeah, the bigger factor, the bigger factor, it's more of a collapse in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, next game. Real Madrid and Ajax. Ajax was the home team in this one. Mm-hmm. And they played a very, very strong game, but they still fell short to Real Madrid 2-1. to one. Benzema scored uh, in the 60th minute. Uh, Zayek in the 75th for Ajax. And then Asensio sealed the deal in the 87th for Real Madrid. Um, but the, the biggest storyline in this game was the two controversial VAR decisions. Yeah, right. Yep. So uh, in the 38th minute, VAR yeah, reversed the back. call, yeah. called the goal back uh, because of an offside. And VAR also looked at contact away from the play for Asensio's goal in the 87th, but the call ended up standing and it was a good goal. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think VAR made the right calls here? Definitely the first time. The goal that would have been a goal for Ajax, the, the one where Courtois was obstructed and... He he couldn't get a hand on the ball. There was an Ajax player in front of him. That was that was, and he was offsides too. And he was offsides. If he was onsides, it would have been okay. It was oh, it was yeah. barely 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 offsides. You know We're talking millimeters. Kudos to VAR for actually pointing that out. Right, just live in the game. I'm like, eh, you know, first like, yeah, right, first first look at I it. S- I wouldn't have seen it. I, I was like, that why is that not close a goal? to the goalkeeper? And I know what that's like, you know, because that that's the position that I played. And, you know, he was close, but it didn't seem offsides just like in the normal replay. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it slow and they pause, I was just like, wow, they they did yeah. a great job point, pointing that out. And it was a great call. Very controversial. And it, it, it was very unfortunate. Yeah. People say it's weak, but like, you know, it, it's, it, it's not it's a easy. rule. It's a rule. It's part of the game. And it's not easy for a goalkeeper. No. That, I just remember going on Twitter after that had happened, and I saw the video, and everyone was so angry about it. Yeah, UEFA Madrid. Yeah, oh, UEFA Madrid, blah blah blah. But no, that that was a fair callback, and I thought that the second VAR call, when there was contact on De Jong, I thought that that was legitimate. Like I thought that that was legitimate contact. Like they that goal shouldn't have standed. Well, there's there's two reasons. There's two reasons why that goal should have stood and it did stand and um, spill some knowledge on me so because the ball was played through 
to the other side of the field, there was a collision between two players that would have never affected the play at all. Just that alone, when they just collide, doesn't matter if one initiated it more than the other, the play is just going going to play out. Referee's never going to blow that, especially when they were, it, they, even if they didn't collide into each other, both of those players would have made no impact on that current play. Second reason, it was more of a foul on, on DeYoung than it was on, um, I think it was Lucas Hernandez that passed the ball. Uh, I'm not too sure. I'd have to look that back up. Yeah, but regardless, the one the player that passed the ball. So you okay, think it was DeYoung who was at fault? Yeah, was at fault. Okay, he passed the ball, and I believe it was Lucas Hernandez. He kept he stayed in his lane. When he released the ball, he went straight forward. He went straight forward in his lane to go for a run. Now, DeYoung, this is where he was, this is where he should have been, if there was to, to call a foul on anything, it should have been on DeYoung because his body was turned the wrong way. We mean, as in, was it towards goal or was it? It wasn't towards goal. It, it was, was towards Fernand, uh, um, Towards him, yep. away from goal. It was towards him, away from goal and away from the ball. And he was running straight to make a run. When the collision was made, De Jong was facing the real player and he wasn't turned around. He was too late. So there, that's a foul on okay. him more than anything else. So then just the fact that it got the ball was in a totally different area at oh, that yeah. point. Kind of like um it's kind of like having a flag on a play, even though it's like a touchdown play, and they just like they just they didn't call it, you know. You know what I'm saying? No, they just let no, because it was a goal. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like they wouldn't that. have called that back to have a to put a free kick there. You know what I'm saying? No, they wouldn't. No, they exactly. Wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. So that's why the goal stood. Yeah, that that would have been weak if they called that because that that would have never affected the play. And it's just two players running into each other. Right. He's run. He's making a run to go straight, and the other players right in front of him, okay. facing that's the fair. wrong direction. So it's it's that's really that that would be really, really soft to call that. Again, I think I'm just going back to my knee jerk reaction when I first saw it because I was like, "Dude, there's contact there. Like, they got that that shouldn't have happened." But yeah, I probably have to look at all this again, and uh, I'll probably see those little nuances. Two crucial calls, and they benefited the champs. True. But I feel like Ajax can take it to them in Madrid. They played great. They played really well. They played, They could have scored more than one yeah, goal. They could They had a very strong first half. Overall, they had a, a, a good, good game. game. But I, in particular, their their first half, I thought, was, was excellent. I was had a lot surprised. of good chances. Played really good ball. Yeah, yeah I was very, very surprised. Yeah, they took the game to, to Real Madrid. and I mean, it. they didn't win, but... Damn, they really gave them a, a run for their money on that. So we'll see what happens next. Like, and another team that played really well against uh, one of the powerhouse clubs in Europe, Lyon and Barcelona, in their match. Lyon, the home team, Barcelona on the road, zero zero the final. Good result for Lyon. They didn't come away with the win, but not giving up any away goals to Barcelona is a win in almost anyone's book. Yeah. So, but I, I think the biggest story here is the missed opportunities by Barcelona. Because, uh, Rui, I don't know if you have the stats on you, but in, in terms of shots and attempts and passes, they overpowered Leon. Yeah. 
Yeah, over, I think the possession yeah. was pretty close. I don't know if you no, want to correct not me. Not even close. No, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. close. It's Barcelona. Sixty-four percent possession, but dude. Bayern had a ton was of sixty-four. Sixty-four. Wow. Sixty-four. Bayern had a, a ton of missed opportunities, and and Lyon played well in this game. They had a couple of chances. Yeah, they um, forced Ter Stegen to make a couple of saves. Um, Bayern just it. could that not finish. Yeah, Bayern just could not. Uh, no, excuse Barcelona. me, Barcelona just could not finish. No, um, you know, I I don't really know how to explain it. They just blew all their chances. Yeah, they really. Messi did. had an opportunity towards the end of the game where, you know, he had a free kick and all of his free kicks. They couldn't get you past the wall. Nope. Couldn't do anything with it. You know, and you know, kudos to Leon. They held on to dear life. They held on to dear life and not a lot managed, of teams can say you know, that. Not a lot of teams can say that they that that they could do what they did. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The pressure's on on Barcelona. Yep. I know they're they're still the favorites and I expect them to go through. But you know what? They let up one goal. They have to put two away. Yep. They have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's, this is this is how crucial scoring goals away from home and really is and protecting home field is 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 very crucial. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how dominant Barcelona was in this game, um, as you had mentioned before, the possession and passes. Um, Lyon four hundred twenty three, Barcelona seven hundred passes on the day. Yes. Um, yeah. And then again, talking about missed opportunities, shot attempts by Barcelona twenty four five to Lyon. Shots on goal, uh, Barcelona 11, Lyon only two. We saw the opportunities. They were there. It was just more, it was just unfortunate for them to not capitalize on it. And they might pay the price. You never know. Yeah. Uh, Well, the next game on the list was actually another uh, nil-nil draw between two teams (laughs) that we thought could probably put up quite a bit of goals and would give us a very, very interesting couple of legs here in the first in a round of 16, Liverpool and Bayern. Liverpool playing at home. Nothing. Didn't, didn't zero, concede zero. a goal, but didn't, didn't score. score a goal. So it's still all to so, play for. Yeah, it's all to play for. You know, the pressure is on, is on Bayern. I guess th- there wasn't too, too much that happened in this game. But I think maybe the biggest thing was uh, Kimmich being out for the next game because of yellow cards. Yep. That's that's Yellow a huge loss. Yeah. yeah, that's a huge loss because he he does contribute. I mean, he's a, he's a great defender. Whether he's playing on on the flank, right back, or or center defensive mid, you know he he brings both sides of the game, and it's so crucial. It's a big loss for them, especially going against Liverpool when you you know that you need to score at home mm-hmm. to go through, and you don't want to rely on playing just defense. Yeah, against you need, Liverpool, right? It's it, if you if that's the plan, it's 120 minutes, not yeah. 90. Because if this goes zero zero, you're gonna have to go into extra time, and that that's that's a long time to um to keep a team like Liverpool that attack away from the goal. Right, they're gonna be pressing you the whole time. You're gonna need someone who can stand up to that, and Kimmich is definitely one person who would give Bayern Munich that sort of outlet to get the ball out of their half and into. Liverpool's half. Yeah, exactly. So he yeah. contributes well on both sides. You know, he's a very he's a complete, he's a workhorse. Yeah, he's <laughs> a workhorse, and he's a complete complete player. So he's a significant loss for them. Yeah, huge loss. But before we move on, I have one quick question for you guys: Who do you give the edge to in this second leg? Because on one hand, you have Bayern, and having that home field advantage is huge. But then again, you have Liverpool 
who didn't concede any away goals. Again, who do you who do you give the edge to in this next match? Wh- which position would you rather be in, Liverpool or Bayern? Uh, I'd be in you Liverpool. Have, yeah, I'd be in Liverpool's position. Me personally, I've always preferred to be the away team in the second leg. I I, I always prefer that because if you get go that goal, like, wall offensive, if yeah. you absolutely need to, yeah, you just you know it's kind All of all he like, needs that one goal, and then the home team needs to score two, or else, yeah, you know, I like to know where I'm at. That's how that's how that's how I feel about it. It's like taking a penalty. It's like, you know, your your position in a penalty kick shootout. Mm-hmm. I prefer my team to kick second. Okay. To see where, where I'm at. Where that's you're at. me. To see that's what's happened personally. before. There are sure. other players that prefer, no, I want to get this out of the way. I want to I want you know, to shoot put first. Put the pressure on the other yeah, team. Yeah, put the pressure on the other team. But me personally, I'm the type of person that likes, okay, I like to see where I'm at. I'm more comfortable that way. Right. But then again, if it's the last kick, the last penalty kick of the game, you have to deal with that pressure, you know. But I know it's a different scenario, but I've always preferred when it came to the um, to the knockout stages. I always preferred to be away last. Yeah, I can understand that, and I I also feel like Liverpool will have the edge. I feel like they're just they have too much momentum. Bound to score right now. They're bound to score. Um, this is probably the weakest Bayern Munich team that any of us have seen in a, in a while, to be honest. And this is one of the strongest Liverpool teams that we've all seen for a while. Um, and they just have a lot of momentum in the Premier League and they have a pedigree in the Champions League. So, yeah, my edge goes to Liverpool despite Bayern being at home. Well, we got a couple of games left. We'll save the best for last, though. Next on the list is Man City and Schalke. This was actually a a really really interesting game. <laughs> one of the one of the more fun games that we had in this first so first leg. It um, was it was bizarre. Yeah, Good Aguero word. scoring early in the 18th, and then two penalties for Schalke in the 38th, and then very quickly in the 45th to put Schalke up two to one, and then. Uh, Sané scores late in the 85th to tie it up. And then Raheem Sterling scores in the 90th to put Man City ahead 3-2. And, oh, how can I forget? Otamendi got a red card in the 68th. <laughs> they did. They scored two. Yeah. Yeah. With two men. With, oh, with a man with, down. Yeah. With 10 men. With 10 men. That's, that's... Can't say I'm surprised by that red card, but yeah. No. No, of course not. <laughs> He's not necessarily He's one of the more... What's the word I'm looking for? Disciplined defenders. No. We've saw um, a couple of occurrences in the World Cup where he yeah. should have been sent off. Right. Yeah, I, I, he he gets pretty close to that Sergio Ramos status. He's not on that level. No, but not, not, not on that at the level, level. But I, I get what you're saying. Like he he's he's closer to Sergio yeah. Ramos than he is some of the other center backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of being disciplined and but what a, what a bizarre game this was. Two penalties. A handball and then a freakish tackle into the box. Yeah. It was like weird because Otamendi tried really hard to bring his arm back mm-hmm. into his body, into an, a natural position, but I think he was just a split second late from doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it was the right call. And then the penalty, the second penalty was just obvious, being tackled on a, on a yeah. set piece inside the box. Forget it. That's right. just, you can't, can't, can't do, do that. that. Nope. Can't do, you can't do that. And then, Incredible set piece goal. Um, I love free kick goals. So that, was, that was just 
brilliant, he brilliant that. strike. You know, it just leveled the terms. That's what they needed when you're down ten. Uh, you're down to ten men. You're trailing two to one away in the first leg. It's not a bad way. To, it's not a bad result at all to go down to uh, to end the game two to two. Mm-hmm. But at the end, Man City just proves, you know, how good and resilient they are. They just they score when it matters most. And what a beautiful, beautiful setup play. And it was an assist by the goalkeeper Ederson. <laughs> yeah, a freakish <laughs> through ball to Sterling controls it, brings it down, and just puts the ball away in the 90th minute. And you know what? <laughs> that goal just solidified this this matchup. I think it's done when it go after the second like it's gonna be Man City going through, no yeah, doubt. I think so. Yeah, it doesn't really matter that they won't have Otamendi for the for the second leg. No. I mean they scored three on the road. It's shock. Man City has dominated pretty much everyone that they've played all year long. Um yeah, I feel like that one's pretty much in the bag too. So yeah, what more can we say about that game? All I know is is that when I was checking my phone, I was like, "Shock is two one up, no way." I yeah, I was. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, during the halftime reports, I was just like, "What is going on?" And I'm looking at the highlights. I'm just like, "Wow, two penalties." Yeah, two definitely, penalties. definitely the most interesting of for me the most interesting Champions League game out of yeah the group. out of all of them and the reason why we caught these highlights during the halftime report is because we were too busy watching the atletico juve game Uh, okay hey joe yeah (laughs) all right how you doing yep you you guys are so happy i know you are dylan's not happy just tell just i want you guys to just shit all over my team and just get it over with please and then, and then we'll get to me and my opinions. Well, yeah, let me... So, Atletico is at home. They end up winning 2-0 with goals from Jimenez in the 78th and Diego Godin in the 83rd. Two center backs, the Uruguayan Two center duo. backs. Wow. Mm-hmm. Another reason to think that Godin is the best center back in the world. Yeah. The biggest story knows. here is how awful your center backs are. Just yeah. for that game. Children. Yeah, just for that, yeah. Children flopping around inside the box. Oh, I yeah, totally no, Because it annoyed the shit out of me. I want to... I I, as like, as an objective me. football fan who doesn't like have a, you know, a true truth. You, know ha- you know what? Juventus get a, got a taste of their medicine. Well, no, they, they really didn't because, you know, Chiellini flopped on, on that goal, led up by Murata because he got beat by Murata. It's just typical, you know. They, Chiellini always gets away with pulling and grabbing and things like that. I'm not going to take away from his, his, his greatness. Um, yeah, obviously he's a very good defender, but he constantly gets away with things like that. And when things don't go his way, he's the first one to cry to the referee complain, but he's gone. He's gotten away with so many things throughout his entire career. And I'm not saying that he's a dirty player, like that he goes out there like Sergio Ramos and intentionally trying to hurt people no he's just intentionally trying to get an advantage more from a athletic perspective not like being dirty so he's made a career of getting away with things like that and he got away with with something that was uncharacteristic of him flopping and same thing with Benucci. you know he's on the ground rolling around and he's watching the play and then when the ball goes into the net he puts his hands on his face like as if you know he's hurt 
You know, it's it, I thought that was just pathetic and un unjuventus like as they like to claim, you know, their team of honor and respect and all that stuff. You know, but I don't know what else to say. I thought it overall, was a very, just a very disappointing game from you. Yeah, it was very disappointing and embarrassing at the same time. Do you, you want to hear what what I have to say? Oh, about the this? stage is open. The floor is yours, my friend. All right. I'll, I'll, don't worry, I won't bore you guys to death. I won't make it very long. Um, the first half, we were doing fine. Everything was pretty even, right? Um, we had a couple of shots on goal. Um, everything seemed to be going great and pretty to the script. Like I thought that this game was going to end 0-0, to be 100% honest. But it is Atletico. They are unbeaten at home, I believe. They are a very, very tough squad. Um, I think we did underestimate them. We tried to, I, I say we, Massimiliano Allegri, the coach, tried to out Atletico Atletico. Like he tried to play defensive against a very defensive and organized team. And Simeone saw that and took advantage of that. He got his substitutions out, his some of his better attacking players out on the field right away. They took advantage of those counterattacks. Allegri was asleep, didn't make his substitutions fast enough, left Cancelo on the bench, left Bernadeschi on the bench. Dybala was a ghost. Um, what else can I say? The midfield was falling apart. Pjanic had a fever. It sounds like I'm making excuses for them, but that's just honest. Um, couldn't keep the pressure off the defense, so the defense gave in. And uh, it was just a whole comedy of errors. Overall, just a really, really poor night. And now we go to the next fixture, hoping that we can score at least two goals to end extra time against against this team. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, well, I have a, like, a question, though, for you, Joe. Sure. Um, now... Juventus went out to get Cristiano Ronaldo this offseason, this past offseason, spent big buck on him, mm-hmm. transfer fee, plus uh, the contract, his wages. If if Juventus doesn't go through and doesn't win the Champions League, they're already out of the Copa d'Italia. Mm-hmm. So say they don't go through and they only win the Scudetto, do you, find this very... season, do you find that this season is a complete like disaster or just a disappointment? Because this has just like been the question that's been roaming around Twitter and the right. football world or the football world or more like Juventus world, Juventus Twitter. Do you feel that it's a disaster or a disappointment? So disaster, I feel like, is, extre- is, is harsh. It's the Champions League is always a difficult trophy to win. We did sign Ronaldo with the intent of going all in on the Champions League. I'm not I'm like not oblivious to that fact. We're still looking like we're going to get a trophy. The Scudetto is still a trophy and it's still an achievement. It's still something to be proud of, but the fact that we made it so clear that we wanted to win the Champions League this year and now it's looking like that might come to an end extremely early, it's going to be, it, it's an immense disappointment. Huge disappointment. Disaster? 
I mean, sure, maybe it's a synonym for disappointment, but for me, it'll just be a huge disappointment. You know, and not only did you bring Ronaldo, you also brought back Bonucci. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, I got to completely disagree with Joe on this one. I, I I honestly believe that disaster actually isn't a strong enough word because with the amount of talent, with the amount of money that your club has, bringing in Ronaldo, bringing back Bonucci, you have you guys have won so many scudettos like that if i was a juve fan i wouldn't give a shit about that anymore like i don't care about that i want a champions league and for you to come in if it'd be one thing if they what they went deep into the champions league they went to the semifinals lost made it to the finals lost okay no big deal but to only get to the knock the, the first knockout round and lose and you're out of the Coppa Italia. Something needs something needs to be done. Oh, I mean, because like that's that's just absurd. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a whole other question. Like, who should yeah, be in charge at that, that point? Early, I'm not saying it's going to happen because I'm not writing them off because they're definitely capable of. I'm not even saying this is it's a miracle because Juventus can do it. They have the team to do. It. They have the firepower to do it. And I'm not going to write them off. But it, it, this is. This is kind of like saying if they get knocked out early, it's like it, it's kind of like like losing the scudetto with this team, not even winning the scudetto, being knocked out this early. It's equivalent to that because this this is sure. just guaranteed. This is a guaranteed opportunity with the team that you have, the player that you went out to get to win the Champions League. And the past in the past few years, you've been to two two finals without Ronaldo. One without Iguain. So this is just an upgrade. This is just an upgrade from the uh, from the last two years. Sure. And I mean, I've said it once. I've said it. I know I've said it before, but the midfield was the problem this whole time. We didn't reinforce that properly. And it definitely showed on Tuesday or whenever the game was played. We got overwhelmed and no one could make a pass. <laughs> it's just uh Pjanic wasn't the, the only person I can really give credit to and in, in the midfield was was Matuidi. Yeah. He didn't even have the best game but you know you know how he is he's just he's just a warrior. He just mm-hmm. fights to the end. Doesn't stop pushing and pressing and and players like that I I really do admire. Dybala was just absolutely non-existent. He yep. was just a little kid out there being bullied. The the Atletico defense Thomas Partey who yeah, they had two guys to, on him the whole going time. going to miss the next match along with Diego Costa. You know, he was holding down that, midf- that midfield so well until he got subbed off. The entire game, his only flaw was getting that yellow card. And, you know, it's just very... Bentancourt, I like him. I think he's going to be a very good player. He's just too young. He's not mature, not mentally, just like not mature experience-wise on the field. I think he's going to be a stellar ta- talent, and Juventus really has has a gem for the future. But I don't think that's that's enough. And on top of all that, I wanted to I, I tried to mention before, but Benucci. Yeah, he's a he's a liability. He lost Caldara and arguably a top three center back from the season before in Serie A. Benacia. Who yeah. had an incredible year last year. Yeah, don't remind me about the only, that. The only thing that you can really knock on Benassi from last year was, was that, that, that penalty, that right. one play. And that entire game, he played phenomenal. Mm-hmm. 
against against Real Madrid. Yeah, played phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't need to remind me about that. You Bonucci know, you can't play in a back and four. And you lost Galvada. Bonucci can't play in a back four. Benazia is better in a back four. I still don't understand why we why he left. Why he, I mean, I understand he wasn't getting enough playing time, but we should have done everything to hold on to him. And it's definitely showing. Bonucci is a liability in the defense more often than he's an asset. Chiellini is really the only all-out quality defender that we have. Um, and uh, that's not good when you're playing a back four and you have one really good defender. So, yeah. And um, it, it was just a, it was errors everywhere. Honestly, it wasn't just Allegri. It wasn't just one player, one or two players. It was the whole thing was wrong. So we have three weeks. We'll see if the attitude changes and we'll see if uh, they actually go out and try and win this next game as opposed to trying to play for a tie because that's what they were doing. So, Yeah, yeah. and really quickly, I think one of the things that hurt him pretty bad was Allegri's decision to play Deciglio over Cancelo. Yeah. That that made no sense to me. I understand why he did it, but I there was no reason why he couldn't have honestly played both of them. I feel like Sandro hasn't been putting in good performances lately. Deciglio's yeah, yeah. been doing better. He's a little bit better defensively, which is why he put him there. Cancelo leaves a lot of space at the back because he just gets forward so much and he's so good at creating. Um, still has a little bit of work to do on the defensive side. So that's why you put Deciglio there. I mean, to be fair, I think Deciglio is only slightly better than yeah. John Cancelo on defense. And uh, yeah, I'm not, not saying he's like his, night and day. To because me, me personally, I don't even think he's even worth to put on the pitch over Cancelo because Cancelo's attack, his, his creativity, his ability to to push forward and control temple and create something with the ball that takes that, that can be played as a defense as controlling possession and controlling the tempo is another defensive um, defensive method, kind of like players, the teams that play um, Tiki Taka teams like Spain. I'm not comparing. I know that's not Juventus style, but he has that ability to push forward against a very defensive team that sits back and plays the counter attack. Deschilio is nowhere near as quick as as Juan Cancelo to track back, no, and but he wasn't getting that, forward. He was absolutely obliterated in this game, Deschilio. Mm-hmm. Terrible from both sides because one, he cannot he cannot push forward, and on defense, he was a liability already. And I think not having Juan Cancelo there because we've seen him all year. The guy gets forward and he contributes so much to the, to the Juventus attack, and I think. I think in the next match, he's going to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, he'll be. He'll definitely yeah. be in the starting lineup. Well, he'll lineup. be in because Alexandro's out because he's got his second yellow. So that too, yeah, he's suspended. Desilio will be on the left. Cancelo will Have be on the right. Have fun with that. So you had mentioned that you think Desilio might be a little bit better defensively than Cancelo, and regardless, I think it was a bad move. Even if mm-hmm. Desilio was a whole step above Cancelo in terms of defense. So that's the reason why you're putting, it out, putting him out there yeah. because he's so much better than Cancelo on defense. I still think that's the wrong decision because in this game, you're playing, you're, you're the away team. 
going into Atletico. Um, you need the goals. You need the goals. Yeah. So again, if he was a, a league above Cancelo in defense and he wanted to play Cancelo in this game on the road and then DeShiglio at home for the defense to, you know what I mean? To, to not yeah, yeah, concede yeah. any goals. I understand the logic there. Yeah, yeah you're again, against a team like, that's sitting like, back. Yeah, a lot. You, you need can offense. See, you can see the logic, but what, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. He should have put Cancelo in there because maybe this wouldn't happen. Oh, you put him in, but it if, was, what, in if Cancelo's, yeah, he had ten. What Ridic- he had ten minutes to so do. Yeah. Like I said, the substitutions were too late. If you had Cancelo in there, I bet you this game ends up finishing two one instead of two zero. Yeah, well, probably, probably not even. Who the hell maybe, knows? Maybe yeah. not even. Who, Who the knows? hell knows? But I, I think. At the very least, if Cancelo had started the game, you're probably it'd probably be like two one. And if you put which in, is key because yeah. you have that one away goal. And if you put in Bernadeschi and take out Dybala earlier, he clicks way better with Ronaldo. He had he created for Ronaldo yeah. on a couple of times and had a shot on goal, almost a goal, forced soul block into a couple of saves. Dybala's yeah. top class player, but when when a player like that is just completely being owned. You know, it's in not having the game, it's best to just take him out and take put someone out. else in. And obviously, you know, the, the talent between be- the gap between both Dybala and Bernadeschi is huge. Dybala is a world class player, and Bernadeschi is still young and he's still developing. But, you know, sometimes it, yeah. it could be the right move. Yep. Coaching. Yeah. I believe coaching is the problem. And I don't think Juve's fortunes will change until coaching changes are made. But that is a topic for another day. Hashtag Allegri out. <laughs> we could do a whole episode. We could do a couple episodes on that. Yeah, we could. Um, One last thing. AC Milan will win a Champions League before Juventus does. Mark my words. That's how it's looking. I'm sorry, but that's how it's looking. You right just now. said this an hour ago. That's what I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Unless they change their coach. <laughs> I thought you said all right, all right, all right. No, no. Ah. All right. As always, if you guys if you guys want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, our Instagram is at Red Card Report. Our Facebook is also at Red Card Report, and our Twitter account is at RCR underscore Podcast. Again, at RCR underscore Podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter. At Red Card Report for Instagram and also for Facebook. And, uh, you know, if you guys like the show, go on to iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, any of those. All of you them. know, leave us a review, hit the subscribe button. You'll get notified anytime a new episode comes out. And it, uh, it really helps us. So, again, go out there, subscribe, like, send us an email, follow. Follow. Send a message. Follow. Send us a message. We appreciate it. Give us, give us whatever. If you guys have support. suggestions for, uh, for episode topics, we actually had a we had, we had a fan who reached out to us. He asked us to do an episode on Liverpool, yeah. so we're getting ready. We're, we're getting some notes together. We're getting all that set, and uh, planning on doing an episode on Liverpool pretty soon. So if you guys have any suggestions, anything at all, reach out to us, and we'll do our best. Thanks for listening, guys.